The Good Nature podcast comes to you from Conservation Optimism and its founding partners, Synchronicity Earth and the University of Oxford. Welcome to Good Nature, a podcast where you can join us for uplifting chats that shine a light on conservation challenges. In each episode, we interview an inspiring conservationist. Our fascinating guests come from many backgrounds, artists, scientists, activists, and many more. I'm Sophia, a PhD student focusing on marine conservation. I love doing science and telling stories through film, writing, improvised comedy, and now podcasts. And I'm Julia, a science communicator and journalist. I'm passionate about sharing what people are doing to make the world a better place. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Julia. Today, we're super excited to have Punima Devi Bauman, who is a conservation biologist from India, working with the NGO Aranyak in Assam. Punima is known for her conservation movement to protect the highly endangered greater Ajodhan stork, and she was also the winner of the prestigious Whitley Award in 2017. If you've never heard of the Whitleys, it's usually called the Green Oscar, so it's a very prestigious prize. She works on this species called the Greater Adjutant Stork, which is also known as the Hargula. And her nickname is Hargula Bido, or the Bone Swallower's Sister. So just to give you an idea of what the Hargula looks like, so that you can really visualise them as we're talking about them through the episode. They are quite big birds, so they're very tall, between a metre and a metre and a half tall. They have these very light, piercing blue eyes. They have bald heads and they also have a big droopy pouch on their necks. They have a big pointy beak. It looks almost like a wedge. And apparently when they're on the ground, they walk a bit slowly and stiffly. So they look almost like a member of the military shuffling over the ground, which is how they got their name in English, apparently, because adjutant is a military term for an assistant to a senior officer. Yeah, and I think another interesting thing about Panema's work as well is the diversity of what she does. You know, you often think of conservation as protecting species, but she also does a lot of awareness and education. She gives talks in schools. She is seeking legal protection for wetlands. And that's really inspiring to just see someone going, tackling the issues that the stork are facing in so many different ways. And I think one aspect of Punima's work that we're really really excited to hear about is the baby showers that she does for the storks and so we can't wait to hear a bit more about what that entailed because that sounds amazing. I think she's been really creative in her approach for this the conservation of this stork really kind of thinking about the local context and the best way to conserve it and one thing that I love about talking to Panima is that she just gets so excited and passionate about the stork like she loves this stork so much and uh, it's a stork that has faced some reputational problems in India I would say because it's a scavenger and so apparently it like doesn't smell that great and it can just be like a little bit unpleasant to have in your backyard maybe I mean the nickname bone swallower tells you a little bit about their diet but she just has such a sense of their value and of their importance in the ecosystem and she really puts that across. I think in conservation something that comes up a lot is this idea of 
charismatic species. The way that people are really obsessed with species that are like cute or furry or exciting. And the Hagula has many, many benefits and great things as we will learn from Ponima, but it isn't immediately what you might think of as a very charismatic species. Okay, so without further ado, we're gonna have Ponima telling us all about Stork and a project in Assam. So thank you so much for, for joining us, Ponima. We're so excited to, to chat with you and just hear more about all of the work that you've done. To get us started, why do Hargilas have a bad reputation in India? Hargila is the local name. It's a combination of two words, Har uh, plus Gila means Hargila. Har means bones, Gila means trailers. So Hargila means bone trailers. So they are scavenger birds. Actually, um, they, people treated them as bad omen. People think that they are very messy scavengers um, because they, they feed on garbage dumps, they feed on carcasses. In, in India, it is like, you know, we, we are always obsessed by mega species, charismatic species like rhinos, tigers. So species like Hargila and others, other lesser known species, they don't steal the show most of the time. But I'm very glad that thanks to the Whitley Award, you know, Hargila got uh, um, a big attention. It, it could steal the show from the policymakers, and but still we have to do a lot on this species. They are pretty amazing, huge birds, so beautiful. I think the most beautiful bird in the world, which inspires me a lot. <laughs> So actually, I have a follow-up question that, that's quite linked to what you just said. So you've been nicknamed as Argila Baido, the bone swallower's sister, because of all the conservation work you have done with them. But what exactly triggered your personal love for that specific species? Actually, I am very, I am obsessed uh, by, by uh, birds uh, since my childhood by, um, by nature, because I was grown up with my grandma's pedicles and she inspired me to love nature, to, to you know, to plant trees and and love birds i don't know how much she knew that nature is so important i don't know but she she tried to tell me about the importance of nature and since then i'm i'm very obsessed then when i grow grew, when i grew up i saw i didn't see hargila bird which i saw them in my locality they were totally disappearing not only they but other species of birds also i didn't see them uh, that was always a question but uh, i never knew that i would work on that species one day then then after my masters again in masters i you know i considered zoology uh, and ecology and wildlife biology i i started volunteering arnak since my masters and i joined ingo arnak actually my my parents didn't want that they had a different dream with me and i just try, kept trying uh, to convince them just just for two months please allow two months just similarly i kept on going then i decided to do my phd and uh, then i thought everyone is obsessed with rhino tigers but we read different we 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 read about web of life where every species is important and uh, one day one of my teacher told me he was in a restaurant and um, the meat of hargila was given uh, as a ch as a chicken meat he told me that story and then it hit me and i start i started to do data collection for my phd i thought that i just i you know i decided to work on 
Hargila to do my PhD. One day I got a call from a villager there and he, he called me Punima. You would get lots of data here uh, about uh, the bird you are, you are working for your PhD. Please come. And I hired an auto and I went there. Uh, it, after one and a half hour, I reached the place. And already one man cut down a huge tree. Nine baby birds fell down. Some are big and some are small. And uh, it was really very scary for me. And I and I, I tried to speak to the person. I was very naive at that time, but I was speak. I was trying to speak to that person. Um, that why you are doing so? That you didn't know that it's this bird is so important for our environment, and that's why I'm doing my PhD. And he, this man was reacting on me. He he got very angry on me. And all the neighborhoods joined him. Joined him, and they started mocking at me. And I, I was alone and I felt very embarrassed and I requested them, please, uh, please, let's, let's rescue the bird. And actually, uh, on that day when I was coming, uh, you know, on the way to my home, I, I actually couldn't, I couldn't, you know, I, I was very restless and I was very embarrassed. And actually, until that moment, I was thinking that I would do only PhD. PhD was the ultimate you know species are declining species are losing their habitat people are not aware and uh, these men uh, they, these people they are not you know they, we cannot blame them they are totally unaware uh, it is not their fault at all it is our responsibility to educate them and and since that day actually my mission started and uh, i i wanted to bring the bird into the minds and hearts of the people very next day morning, I went to the uh, to the village. I started, you know, motivating people. I started speaking to them first, making friendship with them, and I realized that people love me. You know, that day might be an incident, but uh, from uh, next day when I went, people started loving me. And so this way, actually, my journey started with this bird, and my mission started. Oh, amazing! What an incredible story. Why was it important to you to work with women specifically and to engage them in this project? To make their project successful, I request every every conservationist to involve women. In in India, women have a big role in their home. In women have a big role in their society. I always, since my childhood, I I always failed about the uh, you know women empowerment. Even when I saw my mother, I saw my aunt, my grandma, I always realized about women empowerment. And when I got this opportunity, I always, I also realized that you know the, these women could only connect uh, you know the bird into their tradition. But at the same time, I would like to mention that we are working with men. Uh, you know, at the same time, we are working equally with men because when a Hargila army women take place, that her commitment includes that her men will be you know our partner. Her so she has to motivate her men. And this means. Uh, one Hargila army means her family, her husband, her children, her brother, everyone. So, and this way we are working with men also. Rural women are always there. They have so many problems. They they are always excluded from the, you know, from the conservation. They even don't know what is conservation. They don't know the priority. And this way actually we lose lots of biodiversity from the rural area because women can make a big difference. So I request uh, taking this as an opportunity, I request government, all the policymakers, and everyone 
who are related to this conservation so please please involve rural women in your conservation agenda a key part of your work has been changing perceptions of hagila within local communities almost like giving them a kind of image makeover what strategies did you try to get people to relate to the hagila differently and what worked or didn't work connecting the bird into their traditions society religious festivals this helped us a lot to image uh, to change the image of the species so and for this we had to work the same thing repeatedly you know it was a it was a restless campaign and one of the strategy was also to involve the women as we have formed hargila army women in assamese society women can make a big difference they can connect anything with tradition actually because uh, in traditional fest- you know festival or religious festival women uh, take a big part so uh, actually uh, earlier what happened when i started visiting door to door the women actually they didn't they didn't they liked me a lot but they they didn't want to join the meeting when we organized meeting only a few women and the men a, a few men came and uh, women numbers were always less and when i asked them why you didn't come they they, they keep telling that they have they have different reasons not to come they have they have to cook for their husband cook for their children they have lots of duties at, at their home and main main job is cooking so they they need to cook so they can't come so that's why i started i selected some localities so every day we started organizing cooking uh, competition for them and these were traditional cooking competition who is attracted them a lot when the things are related to tradition people are oh my god they are really very it's it's, it's it becomes very sacred and it becomes very respectful for them and they these women came like anything and and then i started making friendship with them and started playing with them the wave of life and environmental education games and uh, they cooked they they took particip- participation in the cooking competition we rewarded them and at the same time uh, they, they we you know we spoke about the hargila importance of hargila importance of the nesting trees and they started giving a voice and this way actually hargila army journey started and then again this idea came connecting the bird into tradition again then i started inviting them to the when the birds were actually when the birds were in the breeding season laid eggs um, people actually um, cut down the trees or hit them with stone so what i did what i started doing i started inviting them to the hargila baby shower in the in the prayer hall and i organize it exactly the same way uh, the as we do for the assamese women expecting mothers and the women you know they, they at first they laugh what what like baby showers then but they they just they loved it you know they came and now they they don't think that it, they don't feel like a seminar or meetings they feel like it is their own own ceremony own own program and they give him then then there also i fix something else after all these traditional things we do the this slide shows and all uh, like uh, why the hargila is important emerging with the baby shower program and they 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 get so connected and uh, now do we, we don't need to tell them you know that do not cut down the trees they go and you know they motivate their uh, husbands and you know family members that sounds really interesting i've seen a couple of pictures from the the baby showers and i saw that you were wearing these headdresses that looked like the stork how does the ceremony work what does it look like 
We organized it in October, two times uh, in the village. We, uh, we have all these used masks, like headdress. We have now, I'm very proud to mention that we have now 400 rural women as Hargila Army. And our program had have attracted many other women. And our women, they give a voice for the world. They, they wear this, you know, this um, headdress, head uh, like the big mask of Hargila and they become so beautiful and we like it's very you know we we, we have dramas we have dance uh, like the traditional ritual dance with the music i mean that sounds amazing i'm so impressed to just see how driven you were about this project and how you've managed to create all these traditions to get people involved it's really inspiring so I wanted to ask you a question about the fact that the Argila is an evolutionary distinct and globally endangered species, which are also known as edge species. Could you tell us a bit more about why it's really important to protect the edge species? Argila is an edge species out of 100 species, uh, which, which is mentioned by KDSL, Geological Society of London. And it is very important to give priority to the age species because age means something between survival and extinction. It is a scale between survival and extinction. So they are in the brink of extinction. So so that's why it's very important uh, for every conservationist to give much con concentration and much priority to the age species so that we will not lose them. That makes a lot of sense. What makes you optimistic about the future of nature and why? Thanks a lot for this uh, question. First of all, the young children, I keep going to the schools for environment education. Environment education is my passion. When I go to the school and when I see these young children, they are, when I speak to them and I become myself so optimistic because, because the way they speak, the way they react when, I, when we do a PowerPoint presentation or a game, the way they react, the way they tell about nature. So remind me that yeah we have still hope we have to protect whatever remi remaining with us i am also a mother and mother would always you know remind me the future that i have to we have to work for the future uh, for the for the nature we have to work for the environment because of them all this makes me very optimistic and at the same time all these Hargila army women, I, they should be always with me with every question. Even if you come, when you see a rural woman giving a voice of Hargila, she has so many work, but if you go to the village, every woman from the house, they will come outside and they would love to share with you about the bird, about the nature, the way they greet, actually because they think that they are the representative of the bird. So this makes me cry, you know, this makes me, I can't, I, it, it gives me goosebump on World Environment Day because, you know, it is a lockdown, so we cannot organize meeting. So we organize the Hug a Tree campaign. Hug a Tree, like, you know, please hug a tree and please send a photo. Oh my God, all the women, the photos, their, their, their stories were so amazing. I think it's true that having company from people that you like and care about and whose goals are aligned with yours can make conservation really inspiring and just make the future seem a lot brighter. If you could pick one species or organism to make a case for to protect, would it be the Argila or would you have another species that you'd like to make a case for? 
Uh, actually, uh, I we have so many things to work on Hargila. We have still we have so many things, you know, to increase the population. So uh, I am very I want to be very focused on Hargila only till my, you know, till 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 my last breath. That's such a wonderful way to end this episode, Ponima. It's amazing to hear about how driven you are and how focused you are on on this species specifically. And it's been wonderful to hear all about your work. So thank you so much for taking part in the podcast. Thank you so much. Bye, Julia. Bye, Sophia. Thank you so much. It was lovely to chat with you. That was such an amazing conversation with Ponima. I feel like we've learned so much about the stork and the different ways that she's really engaged with communities. And one thing that for me resonated is the importance of using belief systems again, which is something that we've touched on our episode with Caleb Ofori Boanteng. So if you've not checked it out, you should go and listen to it. It's really good. But that fact of just building in traditions and making the stork an integral part of people's lives, I think was super powerful and doing that through lots of different ways, be it the baby showers or all the other tools that she's described, I thought was really quite interesting. I found the descriptions of those baby showers amazing. The fact that they were using this very traditional format for the celebration and so acting the same way that they would when a woman was going to have a baby and kind of like using that and transposing it in order to make people care about the stork I thought was really cool. And it's also funny how these traditions kind of overlap because I don't know if this is the same case in India but in the UK a stork signifies a baby arriving and in Mexico as well where I grew up people will talk about the stork arriving when a when a baby is born yeah actually that's something that we have in France too when I was a kid I was told that the stork was bringing my baby sister so definitely across the board I also loved her laser focus on the stork because with our other guests quite often people have brought up a different animal when they've when we've asked them to make a case for an animal and she's just so set and so focused and knows exactly what she wants to do, that I really admired her just saying, no, it's just the hogula. Like, that's what I care about. Like, that's my focus. That's my goal. I think that having that kind of clarity can be really powerful. But also one thing that I really enjoyed in during the conversation with Ponima was the very strong focus she has on women and woman empowerment. And that really came through as well, I think, in in a way of you know, every conservationist should really involve women in their projects and explaining how in the specific context that she's in, in Assam, women are often staying at home and cooking and they didn't get the chance to come to the meeting and she really had to find ways to involve them in, in a way that fitted that system as well, which I thought was quite ingenious. Absolutely. The last thing for me was just seeing how persistent she is. The fact that when she showed up and even when everyone had a different opinion from her, even when everyone maybe in some ways were kind of against what she was trying to do or what she was trying to do was inconvenient to people's lives, she just kind of didn't give up and she just kept thinking about it, just kept trying to think of different ways to make these stalks relevant to people and to make people care about what happened to the Hagila. That's true, but in a way as well, she is also very forgiving. So she was describing this event when people really turned on her and were mocking her. And she was still able to say, well, it's not people's fault. They just don't know about the stork. They just don't know why it's important. You have to work with them still until they get it. And I, I just thought that was quite wonderful, you know, being able to take that situation, which must have been so stressful 
and then turning it into still having that positive vision of of local community or like the people who were there at that time also on this episode we're super excited to have received a few voice notes from listeners who shared with us their experience of wildlife encounters and why they were meaningful to them this is kind of a perfect episode to have these voice notes on because having heard about punima's journey with the hagula and just the way that she kind of came to care about them and defend them and love them in so many ways i think it's really nice to hear from other people about the other wildlife encounters that they've had and how they those encounters have maybe shaped their worldviews. So on the podcast today, we've got Emil, who is going to tell us a bit more about an encounter he had with hedgehogs. And we also have a voice note from Holly. I grew up in the center of a really big city. But one day, as a kid, two little hedgehogs found their way into our tiny little garden. And from that day onwards, I just started looking at the city in a different way. And I realized how important every little patch of green was for, for animals as habitat and how it was all connected together. Hey, I'm Holly and one of the coolest nature experiences I've ever had is when I was scuba diving in Tanzania. And as we were taking the boat out to the dive site, a pod of dolphins came along and was swimming beside the boat. And so the boat captain stopped the boat and said that we could jump in the water to swim with dolphins if we wanted to. And I was particularly excited and enthusiastic, and I got my mask and snorkel on and was the first person to jump into the water. Um, and I think because I was on my own, um, the dolphins were sort of particularly not scared and also intrigued. And I ended up having this um, amazing moment where I had uh, one dolphin that was swimming around me in circles, maybe just uh, one and a half or two meters away from me, and sort of looking at me and, and flapping its fins and going, um, and I felt like it was kind of saying, hey, who are you? Come and play with me. Um, and I was just squealing in the water with delight. Um, and it was kind of, I, I felt like the dolphin and I really connected. Um, and it was absolutely incredible. And if you'd like to share an encounter that you've had or you know why you're optimistic about the future of nature, please send us your voice note. You can reach us at podcast at conservationoptimism.org or you can just post on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram using the hashtag conservationoptimism. We would love to hear from you. And I think that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening. This episode was funded by an ESRC Impact Acceleration account grant through the University of Oxford. Original theme music composed and produced by Matthew Kemp.